You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Hey, wow. You know what? The imagination now. Everybody has changed. Now they're getting so uh, creative in terms of their thinking and what they can do. Man, it's, it's, this is the best I've seen. Yeah, when you jump that damn high, you got a lot of time. To up the floor. Reads a drop down. Kobe! Blocked by LeBron! That basketball will never be the same! (laughs) So that now has entered the fray. Wait a And welcome to a brand new edition of Hardwood Radio. Ben, it's been a very busy week with the buyout season in full effect. A couple of hours left, but a lot of surprises in the buyout market this uh, last week. It's been a pretty crazy week. and It's been a pretty awesome week, to be, uh, to be honest. We were treated to awesome basketball. Uh, yeah, because on top of the buyout season, one of the best game, if not the greatest regular season basketball game of all time happened. Golden State, Oklahoma City, to uh, what a game, what a crazy shootout, what a way that the Golden State turned around and came back. You were texting me mid-game saying, are, are you watching this? Come on, <laughs> are you watching this? If not, you have to. They were like thrilling by 10, then winning by 10. It was, what a turnaround, what a game. It was, listen, to understand the amount of meaningful things that happened in this game, you have to uh, go back to the, the very start where OKC were blowing them out of the water. They were uh, they were guarding them tight. They were forcing turnovers. And OKC are a bigger, more athletic team. So uh, um, um, Golden State were really uh, rushing their plays. Were taking bad shots. And by the end of uh, by the end of first half. Um, OKC was leading by I think by 10 points or something and by the end of the first half we could see Kevin Durant and uh, Draymond Green bickering together on uh, before going back to their respective locker room that's very important because Draymond Green admitted before that Kevin Durant gets under his skin and that he was probably the greatest trash talker in the NBA aside from him and apparently, that is that is the um, that is the rumors that are going on in the NBA right now. Apparently, Steve Kerr pointed a mistake that Draymond made during the first half, and Draymond just blew a gasket, started screaming, started uh, dashing for Steve Kerr. Uh, teammates had to get in between them. Uh, Draymond was very emotional and very frustrated. And when they came out on the second half, he talked to his team. I think he apologized. He apologized many times since then. But um, he was 0 and uh, 0 and 3. He had zero points. He had two points in his entire evening. And when he came out of the of the um, halftime, one of the first play, Steph Curry rolled his ankle and was stomped on by. Um, Russell Westbrook, he was completely involuntary. Westbrook is just a maniac yeah, yeah. That, threw, that throws his body around. 
but it was very worrying for for a moment. Yeah, you uh, saw the image, we... and to, to be fair, I received a, a score notification on my phone saying <laughs> Steph Curry has been walked off of the game. He has left the game. Two minutes later, yeah, Steph Curry is back. <laughs> he didn't want to uh, put weight on it. He asked to be carried out of the game. So everybody started getting worried. Like, oh my God, is the is the Warriors run ending here? But what happened is he got he's got his ankle taped, and he went straight back into the game, which is very inspiring. Given that LeBron James two years ago had a cramp, left the game, and never came back. <laughs> he was carried away with like seven players carrying him. <laughs> the memes up, and 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 not only that, but um, Steph Curry came back and he buried OKC. He buried them. He beat his own record for the most three point. Uh, three-point shots made in the season, and he tied the uh, re- the NBA record for the most uh, three points in a game. That is how meaningful this game was, and all all of that they were like all of that time they were a hair away from defeat, and they just kept clawing their way back every time. On the last play of regulation, um, they were losing. I think one uh, three to one one with. Four seconds to go. Uh, Clay Thompson stole the ball through to uh, Draymond Green, who saved it from going out of bounds. Throw back to Clay. Throws to Andre Godala, who gets fouled. Then makes his two free throws and buys the overtime where Steph Curry just went on a roll. It was. I've been watching basketball for I think since '92 or something. I don't remember. A game as significant in the regular season. I don't remember a game as intense, as tightly contested, as visceral of a watching experience for a basketball fan as this one. It was great. It was everything I watched basketball for. It was in this game. No, it's a classic of a game. And it's uh, funny you talk about Steph Curry. We talked about many weeks ago in the history of this show how Steph Curry was the MVP last year. But statistically, we've figured that this year he's actually the most improved player as much as the MVP and it's funny there's an article I can't remember if it's on ESPN the magazine or Sports Illustrated that comes out next week it's called Improvable and it's how Steph Curry literally statistically decided to improve himself from last year and he's literally statistically speaking as we speak as of last week actually not only the best player in the NBA as the MVP but he's the most improved player from last year compared to every single player in the NBA, which is mind-boggling. These, these talks died down uh, in December after Steph started the, the season scorching hot, but they came back because it, over the last two or three weeks or so, he's just been red hot, and his numbers are just that much improved from last year. I think he's going to win the most improved player this year. I don't see who logically can win it over him he's he's just improved he just became just went from superstar to one of the best player offensive players of all time that's how good he is right now yeah it's on espn the magazine i just found it and it's crazy he's the most improved player statistically from last year and last year was considered mvp how crazy is that it's uh, it's completely nuts it's historical and we should appreciate it while we have it. It's going to last three or four years, maybe. There, there's no guarantee that the Warriors are going to keep their integral team together. 
we should just appreciate greatness while we have it. Stop comparing it with the 95, 96 Bulls. Yeah, but did you just, see? Did you see that image though of Curry one? Green and Drummond there on the court and photoshopped with okay. the picture of Pippen, Rodman, and MJ? So you have literally Curry in front of MJ. Then you have in the background Green with Pippen fighting for like a rebound yes, and Rodman yes, with yes, the yes. Drummond on the other side. Oh, that could, imagine that game. Oh, yeah, it would. I think the Warriors would win because would um, it was the it would be an, it's they're an improved they're a strategical improvement from how the game was played back then. The rules are different. Uh, if they play if they play with the rules that there are now, the Warriors are winning. No questions. No, exactly. Michael Jordan would be called for walking a lot more. Often oh, big than, time, big than time, back then, big time. But it's the hand checking. The uh, back then, uh, you were allowed to guard a player with both hands. And now you only have to use one hand, and like it, it minimizes the effect of having very big players on the uh, on the floor, and it's uh, encouraging a very more agile players because it frees the lane to the basket. And I think this is the main reason why the the Warriors uh, hand checking rules would be the real reason why the Warriors would win the. The game, if they were playing the 95-96 pool. But enough about that. <laughs> Let's talk about <laughs> another great game. We talked about OKC at Golden State. Well, Golden State at yes. OKC. At Toronto and Cleveland, or the game where KLO decided to just take over. What a performance by Kevin Long this game. Uh, yeah, Kyle Lowry. Uh, Kyle Lowry. Uh, <laughs> I get my KLOs mixed up. Kyle Lowry. He, um, basically, it was, it was Kyle Lowry, but... Kyle Lowry finished a lot of the efforts too, and uh, he finished. Uh, it was a team effort, basically. They, uh, um, Coach Dwayne Casey said before the game, we have to keep them under a hundred points. If we keep them under a hundred points, they have a losing record, which is very true. They have, uh, I think, eleven and fourteen now when they are, when they are a hundred points. He knew that defensive pressure was the key, and all the guys. Uh, guarded their matchup very closely. They put a lot of pressure on the ball, and the Raptors have the uh, athletic ability to hold on with the uh, with the Cavaliers in a game. And it was very, very impressive uh, defensive effort. Uh, they created a lot of turnover, a lot of open court situation. And when it, was, when it mattered, when it was time to put the last nail in the coffin, Kyle Lowry just embraced the moment and just nailed his uh, buzzer beater. It was not a buzzer beater, actually. LeBron James had the occasion of equalizing the game on the buzzer beater, and he missed. Uh, one very fun uh, stats is that uh, when the game-winning uh, basket is handled to LeBron James, his teams are five wins and 47 defeats. Uh, he's not the greatest at buzzer beaters, but mm -hmm. Kyle Lowry is a very good clutch shooter, and he showed why he was paid the big bucks by Toronto in that game. Well, you know what it is when uh, LeBron James and Peter buzzer beaters, right? He's trying to be MJ still. So it's in the back of his mind. Like, if I don't do this, if I don't, like, actually get the game victory and all the uh, the glamour and glitz that comes with it on me, I don't necessarily make it. I mean, that's not the way you have to look at it. You have to give it to the most open man. And sometimes it's not even LeBron James. You're right uh, in the sense that he's very self-conscious. He's a guy who thinks a lot. He, will over, who tends to overthink stuff. 
Uh, a lot of the plays actually in Cleveland are drawn for him. So the, uh, the, the, the key of the play is him shooting the ball. But uh, it's in that kind of situation, I would... Um, that's why I'd like, I like my shooters to be meatheads, to guys who don't think a lot, you know. When you get the ball, you just shoot it. Boom. Yep. Kyrie Irving is a bit like that. Uh, Clay Thompson is a bit like that in uh, Golden State. Steph Curry is not like that, but Steph Curry is a freak. He doesn't count. Yeah. And <laughs> he's, the ca- but, he's the category by himself. But LeBron over-dribbles, overthinks. And he's only going to get worse as he gets older because he's losing some of his athleticism, he's losing some of his explosiveness, and he's never been that uh, convincing of a shooter to begin with. Uh, Toronto, I don't know if they have what it takes to beat uh, um, Cleveland in a seven-game series, but they can give them a run for their money. I think these two teams are going to face off in the conference finals, and I think it's going to be one of the best series in... uh, in the, uh, Toronto, in the Toronto Raptors' existence, and they have a puncher's chance. They have a puncher's chance against Cleveland. Uh, you took the words right in my mouth. I was going to go there, but I was going to say, you know what? A couple of weeks ago, we talked about how Cleveland, in their mind, was going to be easy coasting until the conference yeah. finals. Well, uh, things have changed, and a couple of players in Toronto decided to step up and not not necessarily fill the void, but to elevate their play to the situation that they saw the need. They saw Toronto needed their play to be elevated. We're talking about DeRozan. And uh, yeah, Larry, because both of them together, they can do a lot more. And with the injury to Kirk, to Carroll, it's not necessarily easy for Toronto. Now that the fact that those two have stepped up, we see the result. Uh, Toronto, one of the hottest team in the league. It's hard to say the oddest when you have San Antonio and um, uh, Golden State continuing to just dominate both their uh, every single game. But uh, Toronto's really hot right now. Oh, yeah. They're definitely hot. And they live and they die by their backcourt. I don't think uh, their three, four, five is very strong. Uh, their four is okay with uh, Patrick Patterson and Louis Scola and now Jason Thompson, but they don't have a very good wing player. Their center is dubious. Uh, he's sometimes he shows shows, sometimes he doesn't show. They really live and die by their backcourt of Kyle Lowry and Demar Derozan, um, but they've been inspiring to watch. Uh, Lowry is a very um, is a very uh, underrated player. He's a very strong and very smart player too. A, you have to be a very smart player to be a good point guard. And he is a good distributor. He has a good uh, floor generalship. Um, is really, is really is the guy that is going to take Toronto to the next level. He has his Achilles heel. He's very, he's very small. He's very, uh, he's, he's six foot tall. He's about. 190 pounds. Last year in the playoffs when they played John Wall, who's 6'4", 220, he got dwarfed. And that was the key to that uh, That was the key to that uh, series. Yeah, a lot of people have made a lot of reasons for the Raptors' uh, fallout in the playoffs, but Kyle Lowry just getting dwarfed by a better athlete was just it, you know? Yeah, let's talk about the end of the buyout season, which concludes, if you're listening to this, it's probably over. If not, it was just finished maybe an hour ago. Uh, Joe Johnson to Miami. But first of all, let's talk about the biggest name that was uh, waived by the Toronto Raptors. Anthony Bennett yes. was waived to uh, make space for Jason Thompson. 
Yes, sir. Well, it's not. It's the biggest name for Canadians. Yes, for for, <laughs> for us here because it's a former uh, uh, known draft pick from Canada. Yeah. Um, Anthony Bennett was not getting minutes. He was playing in the D League. He was having a roster spot on uh, the Raptors, but he was not being used. So they just want, they wanted a veteran presence for the playoffs, which is funny because Jason Thompson has never played in the playoffs. He's played like nine years for Sacramento. <laughs> so I don't think he's ever been in the playoffs. But he's a veteran. He's a guy who has a well-defined role. Part of what uh, made Anthony Bennett uh, struggle in the first few years is like he didn't know what to do on the court. He didn't know if, whether he was going to shoot, whether if he was going to be a pick-and-roll big, whether if he, he was going to play under the basket. He didn't know what to do. Jason Thompson knows to rebound, kick the ball out to his point guard. He's not going to try anything fancy. He's going to be. Uh, he might. He might even uh, play center for the uh, for the, um, the Raptors. For the Raptors, um, Bennett. I've heard he uh, is drawing interest from the Phoenix Suns. I heard that today, but I think his disaster of an NBA career is going to end very soon. And I blame. I entirely blame this disaster on the Cleveland Cavaliers. If you want a bigger insights on why I hate the Cavaliers, they drafted this kid first overall in 2013 when they had. No business driving, drafting him first overall whatsoever. He just had a surgery on his shoulder. He was fat and out of shape. And they just threw him under the spotlight. They wanted him to be their savior. They completely killed his confidence because they just needed someone to save the city. Uh, it turned out LeBron James came back one year uh, later. But they completely screwed a very good Canadian um, Canadian prospect. And the and kid they almost did it twice, to too. Yes. You know what? Uh, I've started to think that the Cleveland Cavaliers have something against Basketball Canada. Because after the uh, Bennett thing, they draft, um, uh, what's his face? Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins, and then Andrew trade Wiggins. him. Uh, let's draft this guy. Oh, wait, LeBron's coming back? All right, you get out of here. Basically what yeah, happened. Yeah, well, the, 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 the story with LeBron and uh, the Andrew Wiggins trade is that LeBron just made the trade himself. Like, yeah, let's trade Wiggins for love. And the Cavaliers made the call, and it worked with Flip Saunders, and the rest is history. I don't think they're, they're, they have anything against basketball like in Canada. I just think they're shitty at managing their players, and that they destroy careers because they have very weird uh, goals for their franchise. Um, they're not a very well-run uh, NBA franchise. I don't think they're going to win the, uh, the championship this year, and I still blame them for Anthony Bennett. Whatever Anthony Bennett is uh, has become now, it's their fault. So Joe Johnson to Miami. We talked about how he was bought out last week, and he's now signed with the Heat. It's a very weird signing, to be honest, because he had a chance to go on a contender and try try to access the uh, NBA Finals, but he chose to go to Miami, who are not going to contend for anything this year. Yeah, They're with not. the injuries, yeah, with the Chris Bosh injury too, yeah. Uh, what I think happened is that Pat Riley promised him to that he would uh, have a starting position at the three, at small forward, since Chris Bosh uh, was going probably going to be uh, uh, pulled out for the season. They're going to move Luol Deng at the four, and then they're going to have Hassan Whiteside playing the five. And then they're going to have Joe Johnson playing a starting uh, position. Uh, I think that's what he wanted. He wanted. He felt like he could still contribute. And here he is in Miami. A lot of 
a lot of, uh, we'll see uh, later when we talk about Ben or Udrick, but a lot of uh, Miami signings during the buyout season are a lot of wink-wink situations and like under-the-table deals. Okay. Well, let's talk about Ben Udrick. Yes, um, that was very weird. Beno Udrick was bought out by the uh, by the Miami Heat today because they wanted to go under the um, the under the the, the cap tax. Yeah. under the luxury cap yeah. because because uh, they went they, they were under after the uh, trade deadline they went over with the Joe Johnson sign-in and they wanted to go under again. But when you when you waive a player when you buy out this contract you need to give him an incentive. Um, Beno Udrick has absolutely and no incentive. He has a broken foot. He's not going anywhere. He's not going to go on any contender. Uh, he's just he's just on his own. So I think uh, in order to buy him out, they made him a wink wink deal. And the rumor is uh, that they found him a place that will pay for his, they found him a team that will pay for his foot rehabilitation, so they could get over the salary cap. I think you know what team I'm talking about. Uh, no, I don't. It's... Philadelphia 76ers. Oh, okay. So, you know what? It's like, Philly, you guys suck already. Take this contract. He's not going to play for you, but take him. But, but they, they, they get on top of the uh, uh, salary floor, which means they won't have to give money back to the players. Okay, so, okay. Uh, they, I, they needed his salary to get over the floor. Okay, I get pretty, it. Pretty much. And uh, that's, why, that's why I think uh, it's... It's all under the table uh, machinations with uh, Pat Riley and the Miami Heat. You gotta appreciate the guy's spirit of uh, putting up a competitive team on the floor, and he's he's doing it. They're gonna yeah, have a playoff takes. run, not a, not a very deep one, but they're gonna have a playoff run anyway. Yeah, but that's the that's the curse of what I call the Montreal Canadian curse, or a, a big city or big name curse, where you're doomed to never truly be in the bottom of a standing so never get that first or second draft pick that is a game changer you're doomed to always fight for a playoff spot which means always a mid-table mid-draft pick which means instead that you never get the chance of having one of those game changers to become a truly good team so uh, they're stuck in that circle in that same cycle um i think a lot of that has to do with Dwayne wade being close to retirement they have tanked before they have tanked in 2008 Uh, which got them Michael Beasley, which was really hilarious. But um, he, they, um, I think they want to compete for and give Dwayne Wade a last hurrah. But there is nothing there. Like they're not. They're going to make a playoff run. They're going, I think, to be booted in the second round. Not, not, not any further. They're not getting past Toronto. Oh, Unfortunately, a player that you like has been waived by San Antonio, replaced by Andre Miller. Yes, yes, my boy, Ray McCallum. Ray McCallum was a, uh, a second-round draft pick by the Sacramento Kings in 2013. Nobody thought anything of it. Everybody was like, okay, that guy's never going to play in the NBA. <laughs> well, turned out that he played in the NBA, and he was pretty good. He was better than their starting point guard back then, Darren Collison. He is a smart player. He is deceptively physical. He can take contact. He can uh, make a def defense panic. Um, and inexplicably, the Kings draft, uh, traded him to San Antonio for a second-round draft pick early this year. Well, not inexplicably. They had they signed Richard Rondo. But still, like they could have kept him around. 
and he was they traded him to the the, the Spurs. I'm like, that's it. The Spurs have struck gold again. They're gonna turn that kid into a good starter. He's very he's very promising. And the truth is, they never found playing time for him. They had a very a good season to protect uh, so they could not uh, experiment with uh, anything so he, they had they waived him and they made place for Andrew Miller which is a very crafty a very old like I think he's 40 years old um, a very old and crafty player for the playoffs it's a very good addition for uh, the Spurs but I'm very sad that the um, that they let go of Ray McCallum because I think he was a very good fit for them I hope Phil Jackson is going to take a look at him for my Knicks, but he's going to end up in the NBA. Uh, he's going to bounce around somewhere. He's way too talented. All right. We'll talk about the prospect of the week before I have a curveball question for you. It's yes, something sir. to do with uh, the date today. Uh, but uh, the prospect of the week, Ben, your prospect of the week, Dragon Bender. Yes. Um, Dragon Bender plays for... Uh, First of all, awesome, awesome name. He has an awesome name. It sounds like a robot or something. Look at the, look uh, at the, he, the possible like marketing dragon bender. You can uh, dragon bender like a dragon so, face Futurama character. I don't know. It could be good. Uh, he he he's very scary. <laughs> he's uh, he's 18 years old. He played for Maccabi Tel Aviv in the Euro League. Maccabi Tel Aviv was the uh, team coach David Blatt uh, was uh, coaching before uh, taking the Cavaliers job. He brought them, I think, to two or three EuroLeague championship. He is 18 years old. He plays 11 minutes a game. And last year, before the draft, he was called a better version of Kristaps Porzingis, which is very suspicious to me because how do you know the kid is better than Porzingis if we didn't know Porzingis was any good whatsoever and if he plays only 11 minutes a game? Uh, he has he, he's seven foot one. If he was that good, he would be playing more than eleven minutes, though. Yeah, well, yeah. Chris Tapps was not playing much. I think he was playing eighteen minutes last year or something. Okay. Um, um, Dragon was uh, he has a shooting touch. He can shoot the three. He's very skinny, uh, but uh, he's the ultimate boom or bust prospect. Or either is going to be uh, Mecca Porzingis, or he's going to be the greatest calamity to ever be drafted in the draft since Darko Milicic or Jigiri Welsh or uh, so, someone like that. He's, he's 18 years old. It's very it's a very difficult age to make the transition to the NBA. Um, Porzingis was supposed to be drafted in, in 2004 and he deliberately waited one more year because he felt it wasn't ready. Um, if a player just pulls his name from the draft in the top 10, it's gonna, probably going to be him. But otherwise, he's a big gamble. And scouts love to gamble on, on uh, potential. Especially when they're I think tall. They have, uh, yeah. But before anything, I want to talk about Jakar Simpson, man. Go ahead. Go ahead. I need to talk about Jakar Simpson. It is burning. Um, I, for the listeners who don't know who Jakar Simpson is, he's a very young man I'm very emotionally attached to because he's, uh, he was undrafted from St. John's uh, in 2014. And he was not supposed to make it to the NBA. He was not, he was too raw. He was not talented enough. He was just a very freakish athlete out of St. John's, a sophomore. He was basically, he uh, declared after two years of college when he was eligible for four. He uh, was signed by the uh, Philadelphia 76ers 
because he was not an LBA level player and he would help them lose. And he was given the starting spot. He was played at uh, point guard. He, they did all sorts of crazy stuff with him in order to uh, tank. But uh, Jakar Simpson, basically at the best, at, at the highest point of his life, uh, when he when he uh, was achieving his dream, decided to make lem lemonade out of the lemons he was handed by the 76ers. And he just decided to work and he improved and he improved and he became a decent rotation player. Uh, he was waived last week uh, by the 76ers because of the voided transaction uh, with the Houston Rockets and the uh, Detroit Pistons that brought Joel Anthony to the Sixers. And they, they, apparently the Sixers told him, Jakar, we're going to sign you again. Just don't do anything. And before they knew it, he was signed in Denver. To me, that is a very uh, telling of what's going on in Philadelphia. Even the players that are brought to lose are fed up with losing and finding better fates for themselves. Uh, Denver is not a world beater by any means. They're not even going to make the playoffs this year. But they're a better team. They are... Uh, they had, there's a better atmosphere there and he's going to contribute. He's playing 15 minutes a game over there. He's a good rotation player. He's a good stopper. He's a good off-the-ball player and he's, I have no doubt he's going to contribute. They give him a two-year contract on top of that. Uh, they, they, they really uh, wanted him. They really thought he would be a good addition to their lineup and I agree. So I think um, Philadelphia is, has to stop tanking after this year it's really starting to damage their reputation with their own players. All right, Ben. Today, it's March 1st. Yes. And uh, the word March in basketball country means madness. Uh, yes. March madness in a couple of weeks. Before yes, we actually, two weeks, I think. Yeah, uh, March 17th is the beginning of the tournament, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. or, or the beginning <laughs> of the pre-tournament now. Uh, what is your top five schools, or not necessarily top five, but your five schools to watch in the next couple of weeks to get ready for that tournament? And uh, for once in a blue moon, teams like the Blue, Duke Blue Devil might not even make the tournament. So uh, uh, what's up with Blue, and who are your five teams to look for? Five universities. Um, it's a very, it's a very uh, good question. Um, the Duke Blue Devils are being. Uh, uh, give me a second. Uh, the Duke Blue Devils are being very uh, uh, good lately. They have won a lot of games they should have lost. I think they're going to make it. Uh, they're going to eke their yeah. way into uh, the March Madness tournament, mostly because of uh, pest guard Brand uh, Grayson Allen and winger Brandon Ingram. I don't know if you've seen uh, uh, Grayson Allen. is tripping people on the court this year. Nice. Like, he's, he's That's been not allowed. Caught, he's been caught tripping people on the court. I don't know why the NCAA is not doing anything, but it's... Because it's, uh, it's Duke. Uh, probably. Uh, the, <laughs> the best team, I think, right now in college basketball is Kansas. Uh, the the Jayhawks. Kansas Jayhawks are the favorite. Usually the favorite don't win at the March Madness, yeah. but uh, they're going, they're, they have a very strong team, a lot of seniors. And when you have a lot of seniors on your team, like it's 22-year-old men playing against 18-year-old uh, children. They have like Sheikh Diallo, who is a very good power forward, who should be drafted this year. Devontae Green, Perry Ellis, uh, Wayne Seldon, who is built like a freaking truck. There's um, a guy called Perry Ellis. 
Yes, sir. Come on, I love I love his parents. <laughs> their, their last name is Alice. Be like, you know what? We'll call our son Perry. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Uh, most likely, yeah. Um, the Michigan State Spartans are uh, very uh, coaches. Are very... One of the best in the world. Oh yeah, yeah. They have Denzel Valentine, who is a senior uh, this year. He's one of the best shooters in college basketball. Uh, they're very well coached by uh, Tom Ezzo. Uh, it might be their year. This year might be their year to win it all. They have a very experienced, uh, very smart team, and they are always playing very good uh, system basketball. So I think uh, I think they're uh, uh, they're a team to watch. Otherwise, North I like North Carolina a lot. Once again, a lot of juniors, a lot of seniors. The Tar Heels. Uh, yes, I love. I, they haven't been. Uh, the Tar Heels haven't been uh, relevant for a couple of years, but I think now is the year. They got Bryce Johnson, who is a very, who should be a first-round draft pick this year. They got Kennedy Meeks, Marcus Page, uh, Justin Jackson, who should be a first-round pick not this year, but the, but the year after. Um, How crazy would it be if, example, North Carolina wins the tournament oh yeah, the same be... year as Duke? doesn't make it in uh, it's it would, possible it's possible that the f- rival the forever one makes it and the other one doesn't make the tournament for the first time in like a long time uh, it would be it would be amazing uh one underachieving team i really like which i think could be uh overachieving in the uh tournament is uh, maryland the maryland terrapins um there is uh diamond stone which is a magnificent prospect i just love the name too like his family name is Tone, and his parents call him Diamond. I mean, you gotta love. Uh, he's, uh, he's. It's better a, than it always. He's a weird mix between Zach Randolph and Draymond Green. That kid. He has a very big and strong body. He can run the floor. He can pass the ball. He's. Uh, I, I. He's. I think he's gonna go top ten in the draft this year. They got Melo Trimble. Who is a perennial overachiever? If you don't remember who Melo Triple is, is the guy that Jamal Murray, the Canadian uh, shooting guard, has burned over the fourth quarter last uh, last summer in the Pan Am Games. They have Rashid Sulaiman, who is very good. And if I have a fifth team, I'd say you should look at ah Kentucky. Of course, you you can't go wrong with Kentucky. There's a lot of talent there. Uh, there have not been as uh, Wildcats. Yeah, they haven't been as uh, well put together this year as they were the years before. Uh, Scalab is here, who was uh, their big uh, prospect, has not turned out the way they wanted it. And I, I predicted this, I think, two years ago when I've heard uh, I've heard the fact that he could not be eligible because his. Uh, Legal guardian was just trying to make money off him uh, very bad, very badly. But they have a they have a plethora of good players. They got Jamal Murray, they got Isaiah Briscoe, they got Charles Matthews, Marcus Lee, who should be uh, entering the draft this year. He's a junior, it's his third year in college. I really like Marcus Lee. He's a very he's well adapted to uh, this this NBA, this new uh, pace and space NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that would be my, my fifth team. I say you should uh, take an eye on, keep an eye on. My dark horse, Kent State. You never know what can happen. They have a lot of a following in the Cleveland region, and Kent State could be uh, always good on the court as well. You know what I think about Cleveland, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But hey, that's Cleveland, your, they, it's they the only way this team gets. 
Yeah, but that's the only way the team gets a championship. They're not going to get it in football. They're not going to get it in pro basketball either. So it has to be They're college. not going to get it under Dan Gilbert. I think Dan Gilbert owns the Cavaliers and the Browns. Oh, I, wow. They're not, not going to win under that guy. That guy is way too crazy. Explains everything. <laughs> ben, thank you very much, and uh, have a great week. Likewise. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, sportspodcastingnetwork.com.